Greetings, ladies and mentagents. Welcome to this latest narration of the web novel, Humans Don't Make Good Familiars, taken from Reddit with the author's approval. If you are new to the series, there is a playlist listed down below. And as always, I hope that you enjoy. Heat. It's just atoms of an object vibrating rapidly. I want to see if I can induce that effect without flames. All I really have to do is add energy, after all. I explained with my eyes closed, still focused on the shard. I pictured flowing manner into the broken bed of metal, and then causing the atoms of the shard to vibrate quicker and quicker until the metal started to glow. I imagined the atoms absorbing the energy of my manner into themselves. Then I heard, Now how'd you do that? And I opened my eyes and saw a red-hot shard of metal, almost beginning to melt on the floor. I can't believe it worked, I said to myself, just before some of the molten metal touched my leg of my trousers and caught on fire. Ah! I shouted and jumped. I thought for a moment about creating water to put out the fire, but before my brain had caught up with my plan, my body had already started swatting at my trousers, trying to punch the flames out. In an instant, but it felt much longer, I started stripping off my bottoms. Suddenly, I was hit with a huge splash of water that put out the small flame I turned around and saw the blacksmith standing on top of the counter and a blue rune glowing behind him. <laughs> he cackled in a raspy old voice. Twelve years I've had this rune here, and this is still the best investment I've ever made. I looked down at my half-burnt and drowned trousers laying on the ground and wondered to myself how I let that happen. Catch many things on fire, I wondered aloud and picked up my clothes from the ground. I glanced over and saw that the water had cooled off the metal too, as it was now also dripping wet. I haven't in a while, but yes, he answered and fluttered back to the forging table. Your garments seem to need repair, the blacksmith pointed out. I stuck a few fingers through the new hole burnt in the leg of the leg inside. They're easy enough to replace, but it means I need to head home for a while. He nodded his head. That's fine, I can give you a lesson in metalwork another time. I'll call Suma and have her send me back. But before I do, I said, and I reached back into the pocket of my ruined jeans and pulled out a piece of paper. I sketched out some designs for the armor I wanted to order. I placed the paper on a nearby table and took a minute to explain everything I wanted and how best to do it. I expected him to be overwhelmed at the thought of making more gear for me, but instead he looked confused. Jake, uh, what is this material? He asked. Oh, uh... You can just make it out of normal metal. It doesn't need to be anything special, I answered him. No, I mean the strange drawings. What is the white stuff you drew on? He asked. It took me a moment to realize. I have not even seen a scrap of paper in the entire world. I have been coming and going from this world for months, but I haven't so much as seen a torn shred of it floating in the breeze. Uh, it's called paper. On my world, we use it to write stuff down, I said. What is it made of? He asked. Um, wood pulp, I think. Then it gets dissolved in acid, rinsed out, warmed out, and then pressed and left out to dry. I explained what little I knew. Wow! If you sold this, I bet you can make a lot. It's so much lighter than planks, he exclaimed. Planks. Right. I'd seen a few Niemma carrying planks of thin wood around. I guess the nymphs haven't invented chemistry yet. Nothing I'll pass for now, but maybe in one day, I said, and prepared to call Suma. Suma, can you send me back home for a bit? I need to change clothes. Okay, but I'll have to summon you first. Duck down, she said. I was a bit confused, but did it anyway. I said goodbye to the blacksmith, 
and was summoned to an insanely cramped room. My head was touching the ceiling and my knees were on the ground. What the? Where are we? We're in. Suma stopped and looked over me. Jake, um, where are the rest of your garments? They were burned, so I need to go get new ones, I said. Suma laughed and said she understood, then told me I was currently in her parents' house. No kidding. I, I would love to meet them, I told her. Perhaps after you get dressed, she said, and sent me back. I reappeared back in my room and grabbed a spare set of clothes. I changed everything because I'd been wearing the same outfit for a few days now, just washing them with water magic at night. I looked at the time and then immediately did a double take when I realized what I saw. It was about lunchtime when I left, but my clock said that it was almost 2am and several days had passed. End of chapter Chapter 38 Perhaps after you get dressed, she said and sent me back. I reappeared back in my room and grabbed a spare set of clothes. I changed everything because I'd been wearing the same outfit for a few days now, just washing them with water magic at night. I looked at the time and immediately did a double take when I realized what I saw. It was about lunch when I left, but my clock said that it was almost 2am and that several days had passed. Oh no... I whispered to myself and suddenly felt my phone start to vibrate over and over again. I pulled it out and saw a message after message appear. I guess my phone's receiving all the messages I missed while I was gone, I thought to myself. By the time it finished receiving messages, over 10 minutes later, I had 27 missed calls and 100 text messages. The first thing I did was get in contact with Suma. Suma, did something happen? What? Did I send you back to the wrong place? She asked, confused. No, the wrong time. Remember how I said time doesn't pass or something when you summoned me? Well, this time it did. I left on a Friday, but according to my clock, it's now Tuesday, I told her. Oh, well, I guess whatever was causing you to get stopped in time has worn off. I suppose that is a good thing, considering we don't know what was causing it in the first place, she said, looking on the bright side. Suma, you don't understand. I was in your world for days. That means for almost a week no one could contact me or knew where I was, I tried to explain. Is that unusual on your world? She asked. Yes, Barry. If someone goes missing unexpectedly for one day, we assume that they're kidnapped or killed. I've been gone for almost a week, I said urgently, and beginning to freak out even more than I really was. That's not good, Suma said, starting to understand. We talked for a few minutes more, and she did her best to calm me down as I panicked a bit. I could just picture my mum frantically crying into a police officer's chest over me. My stomach was in knots, and I started to get nauseated. I told Suma that I needed to take care of a few things and would contact her after everything was settled. Then I went to my bathroom and threw up. I sat on the floor of my bathroom, thanking my lucky stars that time seems to have at least moved to a one-to-one ratio while I was away, rather than something crazy like I was gone for months. Okay, I need to call my mum, I said to myself as I stood up. I turned on my phone and was reminded that it was two in the morning. No, she'll be asleep. My mum doesn't wake up until eight o'clock, so until then I unlocked my phone and started going through all 100 messages. Most were from family, but a large amount was from work too. Some of my co-workers and the rest of my boss. I was pretty tired, so I decided to try and get some sleep. But instead, I spent hours laying awake, thinking about what I was going to say to everyone. Hey guys, sorry I went away without telling you. I had to go help my friend fight a drake and corrupt nobles. Oh, and by the way, my friend is a bird nymph who summons me to another world. And I've nubiously defined magic powers. Surprise! Boom! Straight into the crazy house. 
Maybe I could say I got kidnapped, I thought aloud. No, then an investigation would get opened up, and that lie would fall apart in a day with my luck. Hours of this went by until finally I passed out around five in the morning. When I finally woke up, I didn't know how long I had slept for, but I knew it wasn't long enough. I woke up groggy and still slightly sick to my stomach when I realized it wasn't all just a bad dream. My clock, as stupidly bright as it could possibly be to my weary eyes, said that it was ten in the morning. I decided last night that a phone call wasn't going to make up for everything, so I would go to my mum's house as soon as I woke up. I got ready and left as quickly as I could. The drive there was slow and nerve-wracking. I still hadn't thought of convincing lie, and I doubt that I could fool my mum anyways. She may believe me when it comes to friends she hadn't met like Suma, but disappearing for a few days is completely different. I pulled up to her house and parked the car. By the time I'd gotten out and started walking to the door, she had already heard me and checked to see who it was. Upon realizing it was me, she ran outside and hugged me, crying, Where have you been? She wailed and hugged my neck so tightly I actually started to see stars. I'm sorry, Mum. I didn't really mean to be gone so long, I said sheepishly and hugged her back. We continued hugging for a moment while she sobbed. Finally, she let me go and asked again in a shaky tone, Jake, where have you been? I didn't know what to say. She would see right through a lie. Not that I had one anyway, and I couldn't tell her the truth because... uh, Wait, why couldn't I tell her the truth, I thought to myself. That's kind of hard to explain, but uh, give me a minute to think and I'll try, I said to her. I need to organize my thoughts. She looked to be funny, but agreed. I closed my eyes and pretended to think, but instead I called Suma. Suma, I said in my head. I knew this method would work as I had done it before. Yes, Jank, she answered, sounding as sleepy. Do you have anything against me telling my family about you? There was a quiet for a moment, but she answered, No, not that I can think of anyway. Are you considering it? Yeah. Can you summon me and my mum? I asked. Two people, I... I mean, I can try, she said. Please do. I asked her and opened my eyes to see my mother's very concerned face. Mum, something's about to happen. Don't freak out when it does. Then, then, I hugged her neck. Oh, well, why would you hugging me cause me to freak out, darling? She said and hugged me back. Then I felt that familiar feeling, like my legs started to fall asleep, and I moved up my body until it hit my arms and head. Then everything went dark. All while this was happening, Mum started to complain that she felt unwell, and she tried to pull away from me. But I only hugged her tighter. Oh, Jake, I think you need to let me go. I'm starting to feel faint. Then I felt her hand let go of my back, and she started to scream, Jake, my hand, my hand is gone. With that... We reappeared in Suba's cave. End of chapter. Mum, something's about to happen. Don't freak out when it does. I then hugged her neck. Oh, why would you hugging me cause me to freak out, darling? She said and hugged me back. Then I felt a familiar feeling, like my legs starting to fall asleep, and it moved up my body and deleted my arms and head. Then everything went dark. All while this was happening, Mum started to complain that she felt unwell and she tried to pull away from me. But I only hugged her tighter. Oh, Jake, I think you need to let me go. I'm starting to feel faint. Then I felt her hand let go of my back and she started to scream, Jake, my hand, my hand is gone. And with that, we reappeared in Suma's cave. I let her go once we reappeared safely and she proceeded to freak out in the most British way that I'd ever seen standing stock still and carefully looking around the room, breathing heavily. 
She did eventually start speaking again, however. Jake, um, I think perhaps you should call an ambulance. I seem to be hallucinating. You're not hallucinating, Mum. Everything you thought you saw is happening. I told her calmly, trying to keep her from having a panic attack. She carefully and slowly looked down at her hand with horror in her eyes. Jake, my hand. I saw it vanish, she said, worried. Yes, sir, that happened. But it's back now, I agreed and pointed out. What's happening? she asked. Mum, let me introduce you to Suma, I said, motioning to her. Suma was couched on the floor, breathing heavily. Um, are you okay, Suma? I asked once I noticed. That was hard, she said in between her panting. A sparkly bird, my mum asked, confused. But I thought you said Suma was a friend from school. Yes, uh, but to be fair, how was I going to explain this? I said. She quickly looked back and forth between Suma and myself. Ah, I get it. This is a prank, she laughed in denial. Jake, you know how much I disapprove of pranks, but I have to admit that this one is pretty impressive. I shook my head. No, it's not a prank, Mum. It's just um, a very long story. She didn't seem to believe me, so I decided to move on and continue with introductions. Anyway, Mum, like I said, this is Suma, and Suma, this is my Mum. Nice to meet you, Suma said. I looked over at Mum, but she didn't seem convinced. Then it hit me. Mum, what do you hear Suma saying? I asked, and then she looked at me confused. Sounds like a bird. Why is it glittery? You didn't pour glitter on this poor thing, did you? She scolded. No, Mum, I... Uh... I turned to Suma. Suma, what did you hear my Mum saying? Well, kind of slight barks and grunts, honestly, she said after finally catching her breath and standing up straight again. Needless to say, I was annoyed. I was annoyed. I didn't exactly want to spend this whole time acting as an intermediary between a woman who thought I was going crazy and Suma. Suma, how do you get me to understand you when we first met? Or rather, third met, I asked. I linked with you and showed you my memories. That's all I know. I never figured out how we actually ended up understanding one another's languages, she told me. While Suma and I talked, my mum looked on with worry and awkwardness. Okay, well let's try that, I said. Mum, Suma's going to enter your mind and show you some of her memories. We think that it'll allow you to learn a language, but we aren't sure. Jake, I think we need to both go to the hospital, she said, putting a gentle hand on my shoulder. Trust me, Mum, don't freak out when it starts, okay? You'll be fine. I told her before turning Suma to begin. She bowed her head and raised her wings, and then a magic circle formed under her and Mum. I wasn't privy to the memories, but I could guess what was happening based on my mum's reaction. Jake, I, uh, what, what is happening? Ah! She gasped. How far should I show her, Jake? She wondered. Just show her up to a point where I accepted being your familiar, I suggested. What is that monster? My mum asked. She was probably at the part with the borag. Her hands covered her mouth as she looked as if she was going to be sick. I should have expected this part, honestly. Mum hates violence, and she can't handle gore. She never wanted to watch action movies on a family night when I was growing up. It's why I've seen 13 going on 37 times. Ah! She jumped. Goodness, Jake, where on earth did you get a gun? I rented it at the shooting range, I said, but I wasn't actually sure she could hear me since she didn't respond. Okay, we're almost done, Suma said, and the magic circle that she'd created started to fade. So, can you hear her now? I asked. Jake, what was that? My mum asked, shaking. I think it worked, Suma said. Mum looked over at her, shocked. That bird! 
just spoke. End of chapter. Chapter 40 So, you can hear her now, I asked. Jake, what was that? Mum asked, shaking. I think it worked, Suma said. Mum looked over at her shocked. That bird just spoke. You know, I think you're right, I joked to Suma. Mum, allow me to finally, and this time properly, introduce you to Suma. Hi, Suma chirped happily. Jake, that sparkly bird has psychic powers, and it can speak. Mum repeated herself. I turned to Suma. I think she's in shock. Let's give her a minute to process. We waited for a few more moments while Mum came to grips with what was happening and with what she saw in Suma's memories. So, uh, the Suma you told me about is a bird and it can use magic and it has psychic powers, Mum eventually said. Pretty much, I confirmed. What's a bird? Suma asked over the private link. It's a small winged animal from my planet that can fly, I replied. The Niyama do look very similar to one. And, um, you work for her, Jake, Mum asked. Sort of, yeah. We're partners, and I'm a familiar, I explained. And this is where you've been for the last few days, she wondered, fighting those creatures. I only showed her up to the first encounter with the Borag. She doesn't know about the nobles or the drake, Suma said over our link. Um, well, that was just a one time. Really, I've just been helping her train and return as she's been teaching me how to use magic like her. I lied. But it didn't work, Jake. I'm your mother. I always know when you're lying to me. Now tell me the truth. Is she mind-controlling you to do this? To fight these things? I couldn't tell if she was asking me that or Suma. Jake, what's your mother's name? Suma asked. It's Susan Vandal, I told her. Miss Vandal, Jake is strong and smart, not to mention incredibly powerful. There is nothing to worry about. Even if on the off chance that we ever were attacked, they would be no match for Jake. Suma tried to reassure her but I could tell that it wasn't working by the annoyed look forming on Mum's face. Mum, you saw her memories. Suma can't control me. She tried years ago and failed, I said. But as soon as it left my mouth, I regretted it. And that's another thing, she said, staring to shout hysterically. Why are you working with her if she tried to control you? She kidnapped you and forced you to fight a dangerous monster. Why team up with her if you aren't mind-controlled? I admit that that was um, a bit of a hurdle. But I've long since forgiven Suma for that, and we've moved past it, I said. Miss Vandal, I would never do that to Jake again, and I couldn't even if I wanted to, Suma said. Things were getting heated, and Mum wasn't calming down. How many times have you had to fight like that, Jake? And don't try lying again, Mum pressed. I sighed, relenting, knowing I wouldn't be able to fool her, including the one she saw in Suma's memories three times. She glares at Suma with hatred-filled eyes. You've made my baby boy risk his life three times! No, Mum, it's not like that. I saved her from the nobles who were attacking her. I tried to calm her. Show me, my mum demanded. I want to see. If you have the ability to show me memories, then I want to see. That's not a good idea, Suma said reluctantly. Mum, calm down, I told her. That was a mistake. I am calm, she shrieked. Suma recoiled at Mum screaming. Send her back, I said to Suma over a private channel. I can't unless you're touching her, but are you sure it's wise? Won't that make her madder? Suma asked. I hugged Mum around the neck. Do it. I'll deal with the fallout at home, I said to Suma. What are you? Wait, what are we about to? Mum started to say, but we disappeared before she could finish. Mum and I reappeared back outside her house and it took another few hours of talking with her and explaining what was going on before she finally started to settle down. I'm just... I'm just so scared for you, Jake. I know, Mum, 
I was scared too at first. But being with Suma, going to her world, is the most amazing thing that has ever happened to me. A little danger isn't going to stop me from living out the greatest adventure that I've ever been on, I explained. She stayed quiet for a while. You've been through so much, and in such a short amount of time. Well, it's actually been a while from my point of view. For some reason, until recently, whenever I traveled to her world, time would stop or something. Or maybe I was just getting placed back from when I left. I don't know. But I do know that I didn't do it the last time. That's why I was missing for so long. I spent a few days over there, I told her. Mum asked a few more questions, and I answered what I could. She asked about Sim and why she wanted a familiar. She asked how it was possible that magic was real. And finally, she asked the big question. So, what happens now? Now, I go see if I still have a job. If I do, then I think it's best if I quit. If I don't, then I think I come back up with a lie and at least give them some closure. I said, Mum and I said goodbye, and she asked me to apologize to Suma for her behavior for her. Then, I went straight to work. End of chapter. Suma took a deep breath. He was later dubbed the Ravaging. The Death Dragon swept across the land, raining its terrible power across the whole continents and killing millions as it rampaged. Its unbridled fury wasn't just for the Emma, though. It had no partiality or bias. It killed animals, plants, insects even. If it drew breath or pulsed with life in any way, shape, or form, it fell before the Death Dragon's rage. She stopped for a moment and took a breath. Did anyone ever find out why? I asked. There were theories, rumors, and myths. Some said that it had suffered a terrible childhood due to its possession of chaos magic. Others said it was simply driven mad, or simply born evil. However, no one alive knows the truth, she said. So what happened next? I wandered from my chair made of sculpted vines. We were currently sitting in the room that I was renting in the kennel because I decided to live here for a while. I lost my job back on Earth after leaving for several days without letting anyone know after agreeing to work just hours beforehand. I still had an apartment on Earth that I was now paying for with gold and silver coins that I get by selling my manor here. Apparently chaos magic makes excellent fuel and fertilizer, so farmers are the ones I deal with mostly. But a few nobles have approached and struck deals with Sewer and I as well. All that together meant that I was making about five gold coins every few days, and ten silver coins every other day. Sure, I had to get a smaller flat back on Earth, but I was living it up here in Atmosia, which Suma confirmed is in fact her world's name. The Chaos Dragon went from island to island, coast to coast, killing everything it saw, until what was left of my race put together as large an army as we could manage to beat the beast back, she said. Did that work for a time? But all it had to do was run away and heal, and with each attack our forces dwindled ever smaller. According to the stories, many had resigned to death, and went home to die with what was left of their loved ones. Dang! I shook my head. In the end, it had wiped out over 80% of life on Atmosia, she said. So, how did you all win? No one really knows, she said. What? A dragon kills 80% of your world, and no one knows what happened to it. How is that possible? I asked, astonished. One day it just disappeared, and no one ever found out what happened to it. Maybe the army did more damage than it could heal from in one of their battles. Maybe it was just old, or maybe it depleted its strength too much, and since there wasn't much food left, it couldn't find anything to eat. However, the truth was lost centuries ago, she explained. 
What do you believe? I asked. Well, she started, I always believed that a hero mage, Amboss, was the one that defeated the beast. Hero mage? I wondered. It's just a story. Back then, there was supposed to be a hero named Amboss. He apparently had a familiar with an attribute of chaos magic as well, she told me. Whoa, really? I said, surprised. Wasn't a human? No. He was a Viking of all things, she said to my surprise. I didn't know how to respond. Another human, centuries ago, was going through exactly what I'm going through now. It was surreal, to say the least. I'm surprised the Viking didn't turn on Amboss inside with the dragon, Super choked. Vikings were fearsome, and I'm sure some of them could be described as evil, but they weren't crazy. They didn't want the death for the whole world, I said. Maybe, she said. So, what do you know about them? The Vikings, I mean. Quite a bit more than you, I imagine. I studied them in school and several occasions as a part of the curriculum, I explained. Really? She sounded surprised. There are always such mysteries to us. We couldn't understand them, after all. My people could, I told her. That got her attention, but... How did you manage that? She wondered. My people are good with languages, I lied. So, what did they want? Money, supplies, slaves, anything they could fit onto their ships, really, I said. They took your people as slaves, she said, astounded. They never did that with my people. To be fair, your people are rather small compared to mine, I choked. Yes, suppose that's true. But why would that matter? They probably didn't think that you would be much use, or more likely, they didn't have anyone or anywhere to bring you back to. They would bring the slaves back to their bases to sell them off to anyone who would buy them. On my world, slavery was fairly common back then, so it couldn't have been difficult to find someone, I explained. I see, she said. Jaka, the Vikings, what do they look like? She asked that a bit suspiciously. Why do you ask? I tried to say calmly. It's nothing. Never mind. Just a weird thought, she said quietly. But how do you people know so much about them? I mean, I get that you learned their language, but still, you would have had to talk to them. And they were so powerful, chaos mages. And you said that your world doesn't have magic, so... Well, we captured some. Since magic doesn't work on my world, they were just normal people, I said. Then realized what came out of my mouth and prayed that Suma didn't realize it too. Jake, she said seriously. What do you mean, normal people? End of chapter. Chapter 42 It's nothing. Never mind. It's just a weird thought, she said quietly. But how do your people know so much about them? I mean, I get that you learned their language, but still, you would have had to talk to them. And they were powerful chaos mages, and you said that your world didn't have magic, so... Well, we captured some. Since magic doesn't work in my world, they were just normal people, I said. Then realized what just came out of my mouth, and prayed that Suma didn't realize it too. Jake, she said seriously, what do you mean, normal people? I groaned internally at my own stupidity. Oh, you know, I just meant... My mind started to fritz and go blank. I just meant that they didn't have magic, so they were only as strong as, um... At this point, Suma cut me off. Jake, she said seriously, and in a hushed whisper, as if someone might hear, even though we were alone. Now you're a Viking? No, I said quickly. Well, not technically, anyway. I ran a hand through my hair and tried to organize my thoughts. I am, however, the same species as them, but the Vikings were a culture that died out centuries ago. I'm as much a Viking as you are a member of the Southern Union. I knew it, she exclaimed quietly. You knew? How? I asked, disbelievingly. Well, it wasn't a difficult stretch, though I suppose it's more accurate to say I suspected. She explained, between your unbelievable levels of mana and your natural affinity for chaos magic, it was obvious... 
Was that really all it took? I asked, dumbfounded. Well, no. Do you remember the other day when I summoned you and told you that we were in my parents' house? She said, as if she were about to admit that something she shouldn't have done. Yeah, I said hesitantly. Well, it was actually the home of a local historian. I asked him a few questions about Vikings, and everything he told me lined up with what I'd seen you do, she confessed. You've suspected that long. That was almost two weeks ago, I pointed out. So, how do you feel about it? At first, she sighed and took a deep breath. I was shocked, of course, but really I was caught off guard and wondered why you didn't tell me. But then I remembered the first time I told you about them, and everything I said, and I couldn't blame you. Yeah, you really hate them, I agreed. I get it, though. Vikings were the scourge of my world, too. They were regarded as one of the most fearsome and dangerous people to ever walk the earth, and they only died out due to cultural shifts, disease, and a few too many losses in battles. If they did half the things in your world that they did in mine, then I get how they became so hated. I want you to know that this doesn't affect our partnership. You have nothing in common with them. You have been kind, unreasonably so, and it's like you said, you have as much in common with Vikings as I do the Southern Union, she finished. Or I thought she was finished, but she immediately flew over to the doorway and cast a spell upon it. She flew back inside, carrying a wooden plank. I said all of that to say this, Jake. I trust you with my life, and with good reason. You've saved me several times now, and I will continue to trust you through this. She floated the plank over to me, and I reached out and grabbed it. I still don't know how the translation thing works, but I know it doesn't work on things that are written down. What does it say? I asked, looking it over. It had one thing that I recognized, the seal of the royal crown. I had seen it on the guard station as well as the citadel and the sanctum. It's a call to duty. I'm being summoned to participate in a war as a battlefield healer. End of chapter. Chapter 43 Needless to say, if Sumo was going to war, then so was I. When do we leave? I asked. Two weeks from now, she said somebody. So soon, I said amazed. Well, I've been waiting for several months longer than I've known you. In reality, I'm surprised it took this long, she said. I guess, sir. Uh, so what do we need to do? Before we go, I mean, I wondered. Well, all battlefield healers are required to appear before the Council of Experts to prove that they are actually healers. But other than that, the only preparations we have to do are the ones that we want to do, she told me. Why do you need to prove that you are a healer? I questioned. Because healers are less likely to be sent to dangerous areas, and there have been instances of Niyama who tried to pretend to be healers in order to avoid combat, she explained. Oh yeah, that makes sense, I said. I started making a list of things I wanted to have before we shipped out. I wanted to get the rest of my armor from the blacksmith. I'd already collected the chestplate and arm guards, so now all that was left was the helmet and the legs. I also already had Igus and Destiny repaired as well so I didn't need to worry about that. Jake, Suma said, interrupting my train of thought, have you already had your weapons infused with ruins like you wanted yet? Not yet. I guess I need to do that too, I realized. The reason I asked is because I think I know someone who may be able to help. Really? Who? I asked, interested and surprised. It's a woman who was there at the Citadel the same day I was there. We were both officially registering our names that day, she explained. Do you remember who she was? I asked. No. But I do know where we can find out. Records of every named Niema are stored in the city's library. I could go and try and find it there, she suggested. Don't worry about it. I can go myself. I said, not wanting to make her go out of her way. I'm sorry, Jake, but I don't think that'll be possible. It's just that familiars are prohibited entirely from that building by royal decree. They won't let you in, 
she explained, and I sighed in disappointment. I felt a bit bad about making Suma do an errand for me, but there was nothing to be done about it. Suma and I talked a little while longer about what we would expect to do during our tour of duty, and what kind of treatment I would most likely receive. Apparently, all familiars are required to be under the right of dominance, so we would need to keep up an act while we were there. Also, we came up with a plan to increase Suma's effectiveness in healing by buying several dull jars and having me place them under a summon spell. The reason for this was that if Suma needed extra mana, she could get it from a dull jar, which nullifies all alignments and affinities as soon as it enters it. This would enable her to draw on my mana as a backup without killing anyone. We tested this by borrowing a Dalja from the Niyama who I was renting the room from, and then cutting my hand. I couldn't tell the difference, but according to Suma, it felt like her magic was turbocharged. After we finished talking, Suma flew to the library and searched for the information while I went to the blacksmith and checked for the rest of my order. Hello, I called out upon entering the storefront. Sir Jake, is that you? His voice echoed from the back. Yes, sir. Come to the back room. I have something I think you'll want to see, he shouted. I walked through the doorway and saw on a nearby table the finished helmet and leg armor. But on the other side of the forge was an elderly Niyama blacksmith standing beside a glowing red-hot weapon fresh from the forge. I recognized what it was immediately by the ship. So what do you think? I'm making it special for you, no charge, he said as he carefully laid the burning hot weapon down. I realized the weight wasn't as much of an issue for you since you're so large yourself, so I thought maybe you should have a weapon that reflected that. I designed this to maximize your size to your advantage. It has two ends, he said as he flattened up the side of the weapon and gestured to the parts he was talking about. This end is blunt and good for brute force. The other end is added a cone of sorts, like I did with your spear. But I reinforced it and made a good deal thicker so it would stand heavier blows. After he finished saying all of this, he activated one of the ruins on the side of the table, and the weapon cooled off enough to pick up. So, what do you think? I picked up the warhammer and marveled at it. It's incredible. End of chapter. Chapter 44. So, what do you think? The elderly blacksmith nymph said. I picked up the warhammer and marveled at it. It's incredible. It was well-designed and exceptionally sturdy, as if I could tell, based on the weight anyway. It has a feather-like pattern running down the sides, and the puncturing coat almost made it look like a bird's head if you looked at it from the side. Suma told me to make something special for you, as you'd paid for it already too, so no one needs to worry about that, the blacksmith said, pulling me away from the hammer and back to reality. Suma commissioned this, I asked, stunned. Sure she did. And she told me why, too. I hope you stay safe out there, son. Even healers can have a chance of getting hurt. And they're familiars as well, he said softly, a voice full of concern. Thank you, um, I'll do my best, I said to him. I looked back to the hammer and had an idea. Hey, um, do you want to help me try this out? His head cocked back for a moment, then his feathers raised ever so slightly with excitement. What did you have in mind? Within 20 minutes, we had gone outside to the back area where he kept extra supplies and set down some coverings. Then the blacksmith flew out of the room for a moment before returning with a few small seeds in his mouth. He dropped them in the middle of the covering and infused them all with mana. Several large brutes grew up in seconds and everything was ready. We spent half an hour smashing fruits with a hammer and cone 
Then another half an hour cleaning up the splatter that wasn't caught by the coverings we sat down. That was good fun, the blacksmith said as he floated the last of the destroyed fruit into a barrel that we decided to use as a trash can. It works amazing too, well balanced and not too unwieldy, I confirmed as I picked up bits of fruit off the hammer's flat. I'm glad to hear that, he responded. You seem to know your way around it fairly well after having just gotten your hands on it too. Oh, well, my people actually used to have weapons similar to this one. I've never used one before, but I've seen them used, so I was able to kind of figure it out, I explained. Oh, I see. That's a shame. I was hoping to have been the first person to have created a weapon like this. Oh, well, he sighed a bit disappointed. Well, if it makes you feel better, you're the first person to make this weapon on your world, I pointed out, trying to make him feel better. It worked because he stood a bit taller and realized that I was right. I thanked the blacksmith again, collected my things. However, I didn't want to leave him without giving him a gift. You want to give me a name? He exclaimed in shock. If you'd like one, yes, sir. You've helped me out a lot, taught me about metalwork so that I could make my own repairs, showed me different uses of magic, and all around been a good friend, so yes, I'd like to give you a name, I told him. He was almost jumping up and down for joy. Yes, I mean, if, if you don't mind, the elder nymph said excitedly. I thought for a while, mulled over several names, all the while the blacksmith waited with bated breath. I wanted to pick something that fit him and his personality. He was calm, but passionate. He could get excitable like a kid whenever something fun happened. Eventually, I decided on a name. How about Seal? Seal! He repeated in awe. He started thanking me and singing from joy. It was that song Suma had sung when I named her. Suma da Jondas Ah! After that, he thanked me. I collected my things, including the rest of my armor, and we said our goodbyes. I went home and put everything away until Sumer and I could perform a bonding on them so that I could summon them whenever I needed. Jake, Sumer said in my mind just as I finished putting the rest of my weapons and armor away. Yeah, I asked. I found that Niamma, the one who makes runes, her name is Scylla Carr, as she works as a magical scholar, Sumer said. End of chapter. Chapter 45 Jake, Sumer said in my mind, just as I finished putting the rest of my weapons and armor away. Yeah, I asked. I found that Niamma, the one who makes ruins, her name is Scylla Carr, and she works as a magical scholar, Sumer said. Is there any mention of where she works? I wondered. Unfortunately, no, but this does get us a step closer. There are only so many places in the city where one can work as a scholar. I'll ask around those places and see if anyone knows her, she said. Thank you, Suma. I appreciate it, I said. By the way, have you had a chance to go collect your, um, uh, uh, what did you call it? She asked. My armor? Yeah, I got it. By the way, uh, thank you. Seal gave me the weapon you commissioned from him for me, I said gratefully. You're very welcome, she said happily, but, um, who's Seal? You know, the blacksmith, I said. Oh, I didn't realize he was a named Niamma. She said, surprised. Well, he wasn't, but I named him, I said, hoping that it wasn't illegal or something. There was a small pause before she finally asked a question. Um, okay. But why? Why what? I asked, not understanding the implications of the question. Why did you name him? She clarified. Well, why did I name you? I pointed out with a fair amount of smugness in my voice. This was followed by another pause. Suppose you make a good point. She stated, realizing that I had no reason to name her either, 
and it was probably best not to throw stones in a glass house. I named him because he was a friend, and he deserved a name, I told her. Well, but it's done, is done. Once a name is given, it can't be taken aback, only given up. So, how are you feeling? She questioned. I'm fine. Why do you ask? Well, you named someone. Are you tired? She wondered. No. Why would I be tired? I asked, confused, because naming someone requires manner. It drains a bit of your life force to give another being a name. She explained, to my shock and bewilderment. What? Since when? I asked, stunned. Are you telling me that you never noticed? She asked. Should I have? I asked. Well, I guess you wouldn't. But someone with no life force density would have felt it, she explained. Hold on. I have like a thousand questions right now. Why would naming someone require mana? What happens to the person who receives the name? How didn't I know this? This feels like something I should have known. I asked the questions in rapid fire. Well, when you name someone, you are giving them your mana, and it makes them a little stronger. Or sometimes much stronger. Did that happen to you? I wondered. Yes. When we met before you named me, I was a lower class medium level mage. Now I'm an upper class medium level. Well, the power at least. I still have to pass my tests to officially receive my promotion, she explained. So what will happen to Seal? I asked. He'll probably see an increase in power, but he is rather old, so I doubt it'll be too noticeable, Super told me. Well, hopefully it'll help him, I shrugged. Anyway, like I said, I picked up my armor and it's already back at my house. Suma and I spent a while figuring out how to make it so that I wouldn't have to name all six pieces of armor individually, but as a whole. I say we, but she did all the work, really. However, she figured it out. She tried to explain to me by saying that it was like breaking the spell into parts and performing each section of the spell on an accompanying piece of armor, then uniting them with binding magic. In the end, um, she seemed confident. Okay, excellent. Have you thought of a name for it yet? Zuma asked. I have Jericho. End of chapter. Chapter 46 Well, hopefully it'll help him, I shrugged. Anyway, like I said, I picked up my armor and it's already back at my house. Suma and I spent a while figuring out how to make it so that I wouldn't have to name all six pieces of armor individually, but as a whole. Well, I said we, but she did all the work, really. However, she figured it out. She tried to explain to me by saying that it was like breaking a spell into parts and performing each section in a spell on the accompanying piece of armor then uniting them with the binding magic. In the end, she seemed confident. Okay, excellent. Have you thought of a name for it yet? Zuma asked. I have. Jericho, I said. That was five days ago, and now I was with Suma walking into a school. In fact, it was the school she received a degree in summoning and healing magic from. We were here because Suma found out from the Grand Duke where Selakar was. Here. She was a teacher and a magical researcher for an on-site rune creation facility that provided much of the school's funding and resources. Do you want to stop and see any of your old teachers? I asked Suma. No, they'll all be in class for a while. I wouldn't want to disturb them, she replied. Besides, the only teacher I had a particularly good relationship with retired several weeks ago. Do you mean the one I met? I asked. Yes, he was my closest friend while I attended this academy and my harshest teacher. She let out a small chirp. That, I believe, was a kind of laugh. Sumer's people have so many different sounds for different things it's crazy. It makes it rather difficult to keep track of everything. Here we are, she said, and cast a spell that opened the hole in the marked-off wall. 
the vines that made up the building untangled and retreated to form a space wide enough for both of us to get through easily. Madame Silakar, Zuma called out into the room. A small blue head popped out from around the corner and a female voice asked, Hello? End of chapter. Chapter 47 Zuma's Point of View Madame Silakar, I called out into the room. A small blue head popped out from around the corner and a female's voice asked, I know. It was the same woman I'd seen so long ago in that naming court. Can I help you? She asked as she fluttered around the corner to meet us. I began our introductions. Hello, Miss Silakar. I am Suma, and this is my partner, Jake. Hello, Jake said in his friendly a voice as it could muster. Him speaking caught her off guard for a moment, but she barely let it show. I'm sure Jake didn't notice. I understand you are responsible for the study and development of new magical ruins within the academy, I stated. Am I correct in that? Yes, uh, there was there something you needed. I have quite a bit of work. I need to finish up, she said. I'm sorry, Miss Silica, but I have a question and a favor I need to ask of you, Jake began. But I think you'll find it quite interesting. I'm sorry, but I have too much work to do, so I'm afraid that it won't be able to help. She stated flatly and began to fly away. However, just before she could, Jake called out a question that made her freeze in place. How would you like to study the effects of inversion chaos magic on ruins? She looked around slowly, very interested. The feathers around her face and wings were raised, and her besmears on her dermal nose responsible for the glittery sparkle, as Jake puts it, began to shimmer ever so slightly brighter. How, um, can you repeat that? She asked hesitantly, probably thinking that she'd misheard him. How would you like to study the effects of inversion chaos magic on runes? Jake repeated. And you have the ability to produce this magic? She wondered. I guess that means that you are Asha. I grimaced when she said that word. It was a name that I'd heard around the city being used. I knew it was what the people had taken to calling Jake. Asha? Jake asked in my despair. It means, uh... Predator, I clarified. A rather nice way of putting it, but yes, technically it means predator, said a car said, but it doesn't matter. The insults of schoolchildren don't seem to do you justice. You're clearly no snarling beast or menacing spirit, and you bring an interesting proposal. I would like to hear your request. Jake seemed confused for a moment, but took it in his stride and explained. I need someone to prepare me for some specially made and most likely complex ruins that can be placed on my weapons and armor. In return for your help with that, I'm willing to participate in a few experiments and give you a few dull-jaw chaos manner for you to use as you see fit. The more Jake talked, the more Selakar seemed interested. An enticing offer, but I have a few questions and potentially a few conditions, Selakar said calmly. Okay, my first question is, why do you need these ruins? What would their purpose be? Sumer and I are leaving for the war in just a few days. I need them to protect her and myself, as well as the other soldiers, Jake explained. Ah, more runes. Well, I suppose I can do something with that. I've made several runes for soldiers before. My next question is, how long will I have to perform the experiments and construct the runes? I know you said that you'll leave in a few days. I gather you'll need them by then, said a car asked. Yes, we're leaving five days from now, Jake told her. Will that be enough time to prepare the ruins? I asked Selakar, almost fluttered, seemingly forgetting that I was there after being so engrossed in a conversation with Jake. Um, well, that would depend on the ruins themselves. 
I'll need time to design and craft them, as well as perform the experiments that you say you'll allow me to perform, Selikar said. There is a, um, slight caveat, Jake said. Any ruin you make will have an inverted effect, so you'll have to account for that. Selikar's head snapped back to Jake as if it had told her the greatest or possibly worst news that she'd ever heard. Are you saying that your manner can actually cause the ruin to produce a different effect than it was designed for? She sounded both confused and giddy. Yeah, I was helping a blacksmith friend of mine named Seal, and when I activated the ruin that controlled his furnace, instead of fire getting the metal hot, it froze it so cold that it shattered at the slightest touch, Jake said. So the ruin will produce flames, but instead of being hot, they removed the heat instead? She asked, with wonder filling her eyes. Exactly! Jake confirmed. Amazing. So there exists some aspect of the ruins that cannot be inverted, even with chaos magic. I would need to actually see the ruin that your friend uses before coming to any conclusions or forming a proper theory. But this sounds extremely exciting, Selikar stated. You said you had some conditions, Jake wondered, snapping Selikar back to the conversation rather than her own imagination. Oh, right, she said, regaining her composure. My condition is that I want you to do the experiments first, to make sure that I have all the information I need to do the job right. Jake thought for a moment, and I opened up our private connection. Jake, what are you thinking? I asked. I think I should agree. It might take longer than we want, but I don't want to risk the ruins fading when I need them. He replied to me, and spoke aloud to Selakar. Okay, I agree. End of chapter. Chapter 48 Suma's point of view. Jake thought for a moment and I opened up our private connection. Jake, what are you thinking? I asked. I think I should agree. It might take longer than we want, but I don't want to risk the ruins fading when we need them. He replied to me and then spoke aloud to Selakar. Okay, I agree. Excellent. Let's get started. Selakar said and started to fly away. Follow me, she said and turned the corner. She seems eager. I said hesitantly to Jake over our private channel. It'll be fine, he replied, though he didn't seem sure. I flew after Selikar and Jake took his time walking. I landed beside her as she was moving equipment into place. So, what kind of tests will you be doing? I questioned, concerned for Jake's well-being. First, I want to measure his life force density. That should help me predict what his upper mana limit is as well as how quickly he can produce more, she explained. And how will you do that? I asked. With this? She said, and floated a large metal pylon up in front storage space below the floor. I will have him touch one end, then I'll activate a series of runes that'll produce an accurate to the Dalma measurement. Just as she finished saying that, Jake finally caught up with us. Honestly, I don't know how his species became a dominant life form on his planet if they were so slow. Are you ready to begin? She asked Jake. As I'll ever be, he said with a shrug of his shoulders and a nod of his hand. Place your hands on the flat of the pylon and keep it there. Oh, and you might feel some slight, um, discomfort, she instructed. What do you mean by discomfort? Jake asked, nervous. Well, this has never been done on a member of your species, so I don't know how it'll affect you. But some Niemma who do this experience side effects, such as numbness in the extremities... Tingling, drowsiness, dizziness, and on the rare occasions, loss of consciousness, she explained. Is this safe? Jake asked as he put his hand where she was instructed. 
No one has died, she said flatly, and started activating runes. Now to be sure you don't remove your hand, or we'll have to start over, Jake nodded. One by one, Selikar turned runes on and off, then back on. To me, it seemed almost like she was playing with him. She showed such joy in the pure interest of her work. She clearly loved what she did. The process went on for a few minutes, all the while the pylon changed from silver to green, then to much darker navy blue. Runes were beginning to appear just above Jake's hand. Slowly, more would appear one after the other until they'd reached almost to the top of the pylon. Okay, you're done. You can remove your hand now, she said. Thank goodness, my palm has been itching for four minutes now, he said and began to furiously scratch his hand. Are you feeling any other side effects? I asked. My teeth ache and I feel like I have to sneeze but can't. But other than that, no, he said. Fascinating, said a car said, while staring at some kind of illusion being produced by one of the ruins in the back of the pylon. It was an illusion of a rectangular block with words, letters, and numbers, writing along it. Your life force is 500 Kalma and 63 Delma. I predicted it to be high, but I didn't expect it to be staggering, figure. Which means, Jake asked, confused, admittedly, I was lost too. It means you're just over 100 times stronger than an average Niamh, and at least five times stronger than a court mage, she said. According to this, you have a mana reservoir of 9.15, which is 12.2 times the current record holder. I guess that's a lot, Jake said, and it sounded like disbelief. To put it into perspective, it is estimated that dragons would have been about twice as strong as you, Zedekar said. I was shocked, but more than that, I was left with a single question. How did I ever manage to summon a being so much more powerful than myself? End of chapter. The algorithm reckons you should be watching this video next, and I recommend that you should be always watching my video. So, click and click with energy! And yes, clicking that does help the channel. Thank you very much. I would just quickly like to give thanks to our tier 5 members. Elithia, Barky, Feudicule, Meridian117, Cam Maxwell, Caspar Arnholtz, Albard and Gusta, Savage Patch Papa, and Lord Azrakal.